Hello, hello. I am Patrick Beeman, your host. This is the Inside the Boards podcast. Today, it's an excerpt from the partner podcast we're doing with the guys at Physio, USMLE Step 1 Success Stories. You can listen to Step 1 Success Stories by Physio by searching your favorite podcatcher for that show or click the link in our show notes. You know, when you support our sponsors, you support ITB. Our sponsor this week is Muse. You can find them at bit.ly slash itbmuse. Use that link. We get a commission. And why would you purchase the product? Well, as you know, we're all about encouraging healthy living. The Muse devices are designed to help make users' lives easier, more connected, and a lot more mindful. It's a research-grade EEG device that kind of looks like headphones, uh, senses your brain activity, and translates those signals into guiding sounds to get you back to a state of peace. Check it out using the link bit.ly slash itbmuse to learn more and to help support ITB. So here it is, Step 1 Success Stories by Physio, the playbook of those who dominated the USMLE. You mentioned that you were spending a lot of time on these cards each day and not getting far behind. One of my questions is then, how were you able to keep up on your coursework? What were you doing to make sure that that wasn't getting in the way? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. So like I said, I always went to class. So I was always at least dedicating those four hours to learning you know, the new material for the day. And usually I would be adding during those lectures somewhere to the tune of 40 to 60 flashcards each day that I would then learn. You know, I'd review two times later that afternoon, in addition to reviewing the flashcards that I'd learned previously throughout the, um, the rest of the time during medical school. And the way Anki's algorithm works is that it's spaced repetition. So by the time I was in, you know, my third and fourth semester of medical school, I was really only seeing five or 10 flashcards a day from the entire first semester of medical school, which five or 10 flashcards you can do in all of two or three minutes. So I was reviewing the material from the first semester in two or three minutes a day, which anybody can do, but it, it basically spaces it out that way. So I was probably only spending an hour or so each day of reviewing material that was not directly relevant to the course that I was taking right then. Gotcha. So it sounds like the flashcards were not only a great way to review and be able to stay on top of all the things that you had learned, but it was the primary means of learning the material in your current coursework. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's correct. And I, I should, I didn't mention this before, but I would say that in order to help me learn and retain the information a little bit better, I also used, in addition to Pathoma, I used uh, Sketchy Medical for pharmacology and microbiology. And just having those images, you know, I, whenever we did like a lecture on, you know, a specific pharmacology topic, I would watch that video shortly after the lecture and then do the flashcards associated with those, with those drugs. Gotcha. Now, with Sketchy, 
How are you able to incorporate that into your review process? I basically pulled the images into my flashcards so that every time I saw or I answered a question on a specific drug or a specific bacteria or whatever, um, I would see that image below the question after I answered it. So then I, you know, if it was whatever it was, Staph aureus, I'd look at that picture and remember the specific detail that the flashcard was testing me on and how that related to the image. Interesting. So you didn't make a new flashcard. You just took one of the pre-made flashcards from Rosencephalon that related to the sketchy image. And then you put the sketchy image as part of the answer. Correct. Were you making, I'm a little unclear, were you making your own flashcards simultaneously while using Rosencephalon? Or like, how did you? I probably, I use all of Rosencephalon. I learned every card in that deck. But of the cards that were pre-made, I probably edited in some way about 50% of them. And by edit, oh, I see. It, it would mean like either I'd reword the question so that it actually tested a concept that I cared about as opposed to testing kind of a useless fact. Or I would add in like a comment in the extras section that would just remind me of something else that I had read about that concept. And many times it would just be pasting a picture into the extra category. Okay. Whether that was a sketchy image or an image from Pathoma or an image from first aid, just something that, uh, that helped me solidify that information in a visual form. Okay. So you used Rosencephalon as like a template and then you didn't really make your own cards. You mostly just edited those cards. Is that right? Correct. It was probably, you know, one in, you know, I probably made my own card from scratch one out of 20 or so, probably 5% of my deck was, was my own. Okay. And so at the same time, you were using like your coursework, you were using Pathoma, First Aid, and Sketchy, and you were incorporating all of that information into the Rosencephalon deck and editing it where need where it needed that edit. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. Okay, interesting. So the deck that I ended up with at the end of medical school sort of had the skeleton of Rosencephalon, but it was very much my own by the end. I see. Okay. Interesting. And when did you start, when did you say you started using Rosencephalon? Um, I think I actually didn't hear about it until, I, actually now that I think about it, I remember doing just like hundreds and hundreds of flashcards at the end of Host and Defense, which was the end of our second semester. So I think what I did is during the summer between first and second year, I tried to sort of catch up on the flashcards that I didn't learn during those semesters. If that makes sense. So like I didn't I didn't do Brosencephalon cards during our our like cell biology and cancer unit. Uh, so I learned those during the summer after first year. Okay. So the first semester you were really focused on just like coursework and learning everything in medical school. Second semester, same kind of thing through like the first half, but then halfway mm-hmm. through your second semester, you started using Brosencephalon. And you would incorporate information from other resources such as Pathoma, First Aid, Sketchy, and your coursework and edit the deck and just continue, you just continued reviewing that throughout that course. And then throughout the summer, you went back and kind of reviewed information that you had learned earlier in the year. Is that right? Yeah. And while all the while during, during the summer, I was reviewing the flashcards that I'd already learned during that first year. I see. But yeah. 
Oh, just what you said is exactly right in terms of uh, how I was incorporating all the different resources and basically trying to fuse it into a kind of an ultimate Anki deck. Okay. So it sounds like your schedule was insanely busy. I mean, waking up at four o'clock in the morning, you know, only coming home and eating dinner and then going right back to studying. I have two questions. Was that hard for you, Josh? And then Laura, what was that like for you? I know you talked about supporting him, but I can only imagine that must have been really hard for you to have been taking care of your kids so much and like making dinner and cleaning and all this stuff and like not having Josh around as much as you probably would have liked. Can you guys talk about that? Yeah. So honestly, for me, I felt like it was significantly easier than what I was doing undergrad. Um, It's like we had said, I was working full time. I was going to school full time Um, during my last year of undergrad, I was working the graveyard shift. So there were nights where I didn't even sleep. I'd go to class, go to work, go back to class, and then sleep a little bit in the afternoon, Um, which fortunately in medical school, your schedule is a lot more flexible. So I I pretty much always slept seven to eight hours. Since we had young kids, we'd go to sleep at 8.30 and I'd get up at 4.30. So it's, it's eight hours of sleep. It's just going to sleep two, three hours earlier than most people do. So, I mean, when I would study in the evenings to study, it wasn't all that long. I mean, typically I would be studying from like 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. And then I'd get ready for bed. Um, It was pretty rare. I mean, only on those days when I had just tons of flashcards that were new or tons of new material to learn, um, usually at the beginning of units, that I would be staying up any longer than that. And and really I don't I don't remember hardly any times when when I got less than seven hours of sleep. Hmm. So I don't know. For me, for me it was okay. And I think the reason why I never really burned out with that kind of schedule is because of taking one day off each week to not even think about school. I didn't ever pull out any study materials on Sundays. And that allowed me to just totally focus on my family and uh, kind of recharge my battery kind of thing. Hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. How about for you, Laura? Can you talk about that a little bit more? Yeah, so I think from my perspective, I, you know, we listened to a lady give a talk once that um, she, her husband was an airplane pilot, and he, so he would obviously travel a lot and come home. And I, Rhett, I actually think you were there for this, but I just enjoyed her comment. Somebody asked her, like, was that hard for you? And she just said, like, I enjoy being independent. <laughs> and I kind of feel that same way. I really resonated with that when she said that I, not that I don't enjoy having Josh around, obviously, that's awesome when we get to have him. But, um, but I, I enjoy being independent, and I am capable of doing things on my own. And so I do. And um, I think I've gotten a few pieces of advice. Right when we entered medical school, I talked to wives that I looked at and really respected and asked them questions. And one of the pieces of advice I got was just live your life as you would live it. And if your husband's there, rejoice. And if he's not, keep going. So we ate dinner at 5.30 every night, regardless of whether or not Josh was home. And if he was, great. If he wasn't, great too. It was okay. Um, either way. So another piece of advice that I got was just, um, don't like wait around. So if he says he's going to be home at five o'clock, you add two hours to whatever time he says he's going to be home. So he says he's going to be home at five, expect him at seven. And so we just went with that. 
that was always the expectation. It is, it has held true. It is true. So even now when, um, when sometimes he feels like he should tag that time on himself. And so he adds on a little extra time. I always add on two hours and I'm spot on every time. (laughs) So that's one piece of advice. And then the last one that I got was, um, don't resent your husband ever. And there are very few times when I have broken that rule. And every time I have broken it, I, I instantly regret it. And so I just have chosen. It's just a frame of mind that I've chosen to not resent Josh for, for his study habits and just to be so grateful that I'm married to somebody who works so hard and that we get to sort of reap the fruits of his labors because I'm supportive of his very rigorous study schedule. And so I just let him do what he needed to do and and just and the long hours and everything didn't really feel like a sacrifice so much as a blessing in our lives. Wow. So that's a really, really cool perspective. And it actually says a lot more about you, Laura, than uh, than Josh, because essentially because you're you're so awesome. Josh got away with uh, got like a free deadbeat dad, deadbeat husband ticket. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and you just rejoice in in uh, in what he's doing, <laughs> and he just gets off scot free. You get after him, and then and then you feel guilty. <laughs> I, no, but I think that's super awesome. Like I think it just says it says a lot about the the power of you know having those close to you be super supportive, and and just for our listener, you know, Laura at this point has four kids, which means by extension, Josh also has four kids. But but it but it's. It's super cool. So what what Laura's talking about, it's it's not like she's just taking care of herself. She's literally taking care of Josh and four children. Um, how old's your oldest? Just to put these in, things in perspective for our listener, Laura. So my oldest is five, Noah. He is five years old. And then Emma is three, Katie is two, and Rachel will be one this month. <laughs> awesome. Four kids, five and under. It sounds to to me like you guys are a well-oiled machine and that you guys work very well together as a team. Sounds like a a, very much a team effort for you to get that score and to have all that support. And then, you know, Laura, for you to be so independent and be willing to take on all those challenges by yourself to a large degree. I think that speaks highly of both of you working together as a team. Awesome. Thanks. Um, when did you get serious about focusing on step one in terms of incorporating question banks and things like that? I think I started using question banks during my second year. Um, I think somewhere in the summer, I bought RX and Kaplan, um, planning on using those throughout the second year of medical school. Um, so the way I did it, we, the way our units worked during second year was basically that our final exam counted for almost all of our grade. So I would learn the material through flashcards and then I would spend the final week of each unit going through all of the relevant, uh, question bank questions from RX and Kaplan, um, which would usually take almost a full week. Um, so at that point, I, I kind of had to learn the material a little bit ahead of time for that last week and just focus on questions and doing my reviews on Anki. So I did that um, through most of the way 
And then I bought UWorld, um, I think midway through my last semester. And during Dedicated, I basically focused on UWorld and did just my Anki reviews. You know, I'd make some flashcards based on questions that I missed on UWorld and do the the flashcards that were due that I'd learned during the first two years. But the vast majority of my dedicated study time was spent doing UWorld questions. And I I guess the only other thing is that during my last semester of medical school, I tried to re-go through all of the Pathoma videos and all of the uh, sketchy micro and sketchy farm videos, um, just so I had another as kind of a second pass on all that material before going through the UWorld questions. Hmm. Okay, so it sounds like kind of around like September, probably you started using RX and Kaplan. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds about right. So beginning of second year, and were you able to finish those question banks, or what percentage of the question banks did you did you get through? Yeah, I, I completed all of RX, all of Kaplan, at least all of the question bank. I they had a few full length tests that I didn't do, but I did all of the question bank questions. Um, I think each one had somewhere around three thousand questions. Wow! And then uh, as soon as I finished those, that was when I bought UWorld. Don't forget our other channels. Um, we have Physiology by Physio, a high-yield review for uh, especially Step 1 content. And then, of course, the Medical Nemesis podcast that is focused on accelerated learning techniques and memory hacks. That's all we have for today. Thank you for listening. As always, I deeply, deeply appreciate it. Don't forget about our Pay My USMLE contest, whose grand prize will be payment for your USMLE Step 1 or Step 2 registration fee. You can go to bit.ly slash paymyusmle3. That's the number three. This is our final contest in a series of three and the top winners from that contest, uh, from those contests, uh, will be eligible to win the grand prize. This contest finally concludes on September 30th, 2019, and is thanks to physicianloans.com, bit.ly slash paymyusmle3.